Welcome to the latest episode of the TES Scotland podcast. I'm Emma Seath, senior reporter, and with me is TES Scotland editor, Henry Hepburn. Welcome, Henry. Hi, Emma. Uh, first, we're going to talk about our latest big read, which focuses on Alva Academy, the Clackman and Shire Secondary that just before the summer break won the TES Schools Award 2023 for Community Engagement Initiative of the Year. So, I mean, Henry, this is your piece. This is your uh, long read published um, on Friday 18. So one of the judges for the TES Awards this year was Sir Tim Brighouse, uh, the veteran educationalist who led the London Challenge, which of course inspired Scotland's own attainment challenge. Speaking about Alva, he said, as I read about this school, I wish I'd brought up my kids there. Did you come away with similar feelings after you visited Alva Academy? Yeah, there were there were a number of things that really struck me. It was a great visit. So I went there just just before the the summer holidays. Sometimes a strange time to visit a school when things are maybe winding down a bit. But uh, you know, a really really busy place, lots going on. And yeah, a couple a couple of big things really struck me was. I mean, there's a lot of chat just now with the Hayward Review about um, you know uh, really committing to an expanded offering in the senior phase of secondary schools. Um, and yet we still are in uh, a culture where you know, most of the media wants to focus on higher results and, and not really give anything else much attention when it comes to SQA results days each year. But Alva, like a lot of schools, talks about, you know, we want to really increase the number of what we, they would call pathways in the senior phase. And they actually, um, they, they are, they're good to their word on that. There's, um, if you look at just in the past five years or so, um, so in 2018, there were 32 senior phase pathways for Alva students to follow through. Now they were, just before the summer when I was there, they were saying there were 72 in school and another 32 that involve FE colleges to some degree. So, um, and it's also about a change of, um, you know, almost like getting the message out there in the way that you construct the timetable and the curriculum. So for example, lot of schools do the Duke of Edinburgh's award, but what Alva does is they make that part of the timetable. So it's not seen as an extra curricular add-on, you know, it's, it's, it's an intrinsic central part of the curriculum. So, so they, 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 when it comes to diverse pathways and many pathways in the senior phase, they, they talk the talk, but they definitely also, also walk the walk. I think that that's kind of what strikes you as a reader, because there's all that, you know, sort of variety, as you were sort of saying, in terms of courses, but then there's all the, the extracurricular that they seem to do as well. You know, so there's this Parkinson's um, singing group that you talk about at the start of the feature. There was them setting up a fun fair at the school when a trip to Blackpool proved too expensive. You know, the, the, they, were, they have drop-in sessions for teachers with um, ASN staff to spread good practice. You know, the list goes on. But, I mean, what, you know, in terms of those, you know, sort of, you know, the other things going on in the school, you know, sort of beyond courses and qualifications, what struck you as some of the school's most sort of interesting innovations? Well, I think what's interesting is in their approach, I've heard people in the past say that they actually don't really like the word extracurricular because it sort of suggests it's something on the side. It's added. It's not the main business. And certainly Alva looks like it's really trying to integrate that into the more traditional pursuits of a school, if you want to talk about it by that. And the Parkinson's group is a great example because that's, you know, they won two of our TES awards in June and that's for schools right across the UK. And one of the awards, the community awards, I mean, the Parkinson's Parkinson's group is central to that. And that's where they, um, every Monday for an hour and a half, they bring in, uh, people from around the community who have Parkinson's and they work with them on this, you know, 
it's a singing club essentially, and the um, uh, and the people from the community got a huge amount out of it. There was a lovely, lovely quote if I could just find it quickly um, from one of the community members who uh, who's involved in the singing, the Parkinson's group, and she said, uh, "I no longer feel embarrassed by my symptoms, and that was very much down to the teachers and pupils at Alva Academy." She said, it's almost as if they don't notice. There's no feeling of charity, just a genuine passion for helping, understanding of sheer love of music. And, and that's just a really nice summing up of, of what goes on there. And it's, you know, they're not paying lip service to this idea of community. They, they're really doing something quite profound and, and very meaningful. But I just, I like the, the, just the approach as well. They're very much, you know, led by what the kids' interests. So there's, there's things that maybe though I couldn't normally See the school, perhaps there's a Warhammer club. Um, we've got the the first. We actually had a piece about it a while back, something last year. I think about how it was the first school in Scotland to have a dedicated esports centre. I mean, that's very current, obviously. So there's all sorts of things like that. Um, you mentioned the yeah. The I trip. didn't even know what that was, but <laughs> I, I remember reading that piece, thinking, "What are esports?" But I mean, it's essentially is it sort of a gaming? You know, is it sort of is that it's right? Gaming, yeah, it's gaming, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, uh, yeah, it's gaming to go off it. A wee sidetrack, but the I mean, esports is absolutely huge, uh, and, and yet something doesn't really register with me. Personally, but I'm aware that it's huge and it's a huge thing. And you know, the the, the worldwide, the biggest esports stars are like you know they're they're like Lionel Messi or you know stars of that level to to maybe maybe not to me and you, but to people who are a bit younger than us. Uh, so it's it's a huge thing, and they and Alva's absolutely tapping into that enthusiasm and that sauce. And they would tell you that that enthusiasm for esports spills over into other parts of the curriculum. So everyone's a winner, as the as the idea, I guess. Yeah, it's really. I mean, I think that that idea that kind of comes across in the feature that their ambition isn't just to get their their kids good qualifications, but it's to give them good memories. Well, is there's just something that's really appealing about that. But I suppose the only thing that you know, sort of, some people might think, or some teachers or head teachers, school leaders, when they're reading the feature, you know, that we know that there's been lots of budget cuts. We know that there are huge pressures in terms of you know, sort of raising attainment. We know that there's the continuing impact of COVID. How do you think that they? You know, how do you think a school like Alva that's offering all this wealth of courses, all this wealth of you know, sort of other experiences that's helping its kids to make good memories? How do you think that they're managing to do all of that? You know, I, how, think how... I think there's a cultural aspect to it from from my brief time at the school that I picked up on, and you know, I've seen it said before that a huge part of feeling fulfilled in your workplace is a sense of autonomy. And, um, you know, Scott McCune, who's the head teacher there, he says he is granted autonomy by the local authority to sort of take a few risks and try new things and in the knowledge that not everything will work out. And he tries to then, and I had this, it's not just him saying it, other staff confirmed it as well. He said that he then tried to pass on that like, sense of trust and autonomy um, to other teachers. So it's, you know, so, so they, they flourish in within that culture. Um, I mean, I think of it another, uh, and so it's not just the pupils who are maybe sort of uh, pursuing personal passions with the esports or or whatever it may be. Um, it's it's the teachers as well who will bring those into the school. But I think another important important thing to th- say is it's not just about you know the, what we may call the extracurricular stuff or the you know not. It's also about your traditional subjects that, that it's not like we've lost sight of the importance of that and a key message that they get across to um, that Scott McHugh, the head teacher, gets across to his staff, says, can, can everyone access your subject? That's a big, a big 
aspect of the, the school's philosophy and what they tried to do. So the day I was there, uh, I saw some S2 modern languages pupils who had an art display in uh, one of the sort of main thoroughfares of the school, if you like. And the idea there is, that, so these are kids who maybe would struggle with languages, a lot of them, maybe didn't see the point of them, but they, they'd found a way that they could get them excited about languages. And that's what, so he's challenging every teacher in the school to say, look, your subject's got to be something that everyone could do if they want to do it, or, or maybe even they don't realize they might want to do it, but you're going to show them why it's something they might want to do. That is relevant to them as well. Oh, well, it's a yeah. really great read. Um, and yeah, and so people can, um, you know, sort of find that through the TES Scotland hub. Um, yeah, lovely. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to turn the tables on you now, Emma, because you had a really, really great piece last week and it was quite a cue for you. Um, so just last week, we published your interview with Jenny Glorist, who obviously became Education Secretary in uh, earlier this year in the spring. And uh, she gave us her first sort of really in-depth sit-down interview. You went along and you met her and spent a good bit of time with her. Um, so, and we'd be talking about how uh, relationships uh, at Alva are seen as the key to success. Now that sort of has interesting parallels with your chat with Jenny Glorist because you were talking to someone else who was emphasizing over and again the importance of relationships. This time she was talking about uh, the teaching profession, how she wants to mend, and I think mend was a word she actually used, her relationship with teachers after, obviously, we've come through a period of uh, sustained strike action and ultimately a, a pay awards. And uh, there's you know, a bit of rancor left over from, from that period, I would say. And uh, she's talking about how you know that's essential for then get the best out of pupils. So what, can you maybe just tell me a bit about what was your impression of of having this sort of a detailed chat with the new education secretary? I definitely think that Jenny Gilruth comes across really well. She's not one of those politicians that, you know, sort of gives you the sense that she's just answering your questions with, you know, sort of stock phrases and stock responses, something that obviously the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak comes in for mm. quite, a, quite mm -hmm. a lot of criticism. You know, whatever you ask him, he's going to tell you about his five goals. <laughs> for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, so you don't, you know, you, you know, she's, she's, yeah, so she's really personable, um, very, very chatty. You know, you, you, I was worried because, you know, you only get a certain amount of time to, you know, sort of have a sit down interview. We did the first, you know, sort of sit down interview with Jenny Gilruth, but still, you know, these are busy people. You're always only going to get, you know, sort of a relatively kind of short period of time. But she is a fast talker who says a lot mm -hmm. when she speaks. So that was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but so she, she, the impression that you have is that she really, as you would expect, given that she herself was a teacher, you know, so she spent a decade of her career in, in the classroom. Laterally, she was, you know, sort of a principal teacher of her subject, modern studies, you know, so... So, you know, so she's, um, you know, so she's had this decade in the classroom. So you would expect her to understand, you know, sort of the issues in education, you know, sort of given that, you know, sort of pretty lengthy experience, you know, so she understands that your know, problems with job insecurity and temporary contracts for new teachers, you know, that the impact of the pandemic is still being felt in schools, you know, that for qualifications reform to work, teachers' voice needs to be integral to that. And, you know, of course, we saw that she would pause the reform um, of the qualifications ahead of the summer holidays because she felt that, you know, that the consultation just wasn't kind of with the profession, just wasn't quite, you know, sort of where it should be. And then, you know, sort of in the feature uh, or for the for the feature, for the interview, I spoke to Andrea Bradley, um, the General Secretary of the EIS Teaching Union, Scotland's biggest union. 
And she also said that, that she and Jenny Gilruth, when they spoke, that they were able to speak a common language around some of the issues impacting education. But I think that the key thing, though, now will be that she'll have this, you know, sort of grace period almost where she's kind of getting to grips with the job and where people are kind of prepared to kind of give her a little bit of leeway. But the key thing is going to be now is how is she going to go? So she understands what the problems are, but the key thing now will be about, well, what's she going to do about it? How is she going to address them? So I think that that's kind of, that there's this, you know, sort of, there's this getting to know you sort of period, but because the SNP have been in power now for 16 years, you know, there's not going to be, I, 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 you know, the, I think that that period, she'll have to kind of really start to demonstrate quite soon what she's actually going to do, mm. how she's going to start to solve some of these problems. Yeah, yeah, it's a great read. Uh, great to have that. And uh, we should just say that our, um, our pre-weekly email newsletter that goes out every Friday, we had a bit of a summer break from that, but that started up again and the Alva piece and the Jenny Ruth interview were two parts of that. Just briefly, there are two other pieces that we highlighted in that newsletter, both written by you, Emma. Could you give us the top line in both of those pieces? Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, Should so um, <laughs> one of them is about the new uh, law that allows um, all, all parents whose child would be four at the time when they start school to defer entry. And so we were looking at what's the impact of that been. And um, sorry, that's my phone going off. Um, we were looking at what the impact of that has been. And um, so we did a freedom of information request to all local authorities just to see how, see whether or not um, there are more children who are deferring entry into P1 this year than in previous years because of that. It was, it, it, we've always had the right to defer children who, you know, parents of children who would have been um, four at the time they started school, they've always had that right to defer. But the difference now is that they also have the right to a fully funded additional year of nursery. So then cost and, um, you know, and, and money doesn't become a barrier. So that barrier has now been removed. So we found that there has been a 20% rise in, um, in in the number of deferrals this year. And that for some local authorities, that's been, you know, sort of particularly acute, you know, so obviously that's the overall national figure is a 20% rise. But some authorities like Fife Council, for instance, um, they saw the number of children or, or, who were um requesting deferrals into primary school uh, that more than doubled. Um, the other story is about um, additional assessment arrangements in schools and how that's looked. So uh, one in five um, pupils sitting exams in the spring um, had um, special arrangements put in place to help them to access those exams. So that can be um, things like extra time in the exam or asking for separate accommodation because they, um, you know, would find it too stressful to be in the exam hall, sitting the exam on mass with their peers or because they require a reader or a scribe to, you know, sort of, so the reader would read out the questions to them and read back their answers, you know, so you're thinking about, you know, sort of pupils who are maybe dyslexic. Um, that's something that, you know, sort of is a support that they can request, but then they need separate accommodation in order to do that because they don't want their conversations to disturb the rest of the pupils who are the rest of the students who are sitting their exams at the same time. But the, because the, these, the, you know, the SQA told us that these are, um, so Scotland's exam bodies, Scottish Qualifications Authority told us that these are record-breaking figures and schools are all come firmly behind the idea of supporting pupils to access the exams. 
But because the numbers using these special arrangements are increasing year on year and increasing quite steeply, um, schools are saying, especially when it comes to things like separate accommodation, there's a finite amount of space in school. And so that is becoming increasingly problematic um, and that it's something that's really going to have to be looked at. And of course, one of the things that people are saying um, is that really we need to push ahead with qualifications reform and start to move away from this idea that handwritten exams is the best way to assess um, to assess students. Yeah, that'll be just one of many issues that will play out over the coming years with uh, you know ongoing exam qualifications reform. Um, so we'll be interested to see how that goes. So I feel like uh, uh, we've, we've we've done a lot of swaps you there with uh, you started off as the host and now I'm the host. It's <laughs> quizzing you. <laughs> so uh, it falls to me, I think, to, to say thanks to all who've listened to the Tescot, new Tescot podcast this week. First one of the new school year. And make sure to subscribe via all the usual platforms and we'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode.